Welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, howtodecorate.com. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team here at Ballard. Hi, and I'm Karen, and I am um, head of brand for Ballard. And welcome. And welcome. Yeah, we're your hosts. Should we do our trials and triumphs? I'm going first. Okay. So Taryn. this month... Um, David and I decided to try the trending diet of the Whole30. Oh, not 30. the Whole30. Mm-hmm. Everybody's yeah. talking about this Whole30 Everybody. Thing. My friends are all doing it. They felt better. They loved it. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, Caroline, have you done it? No. Okay, me either. Absolutely not. I no. personally don't recommend. I've never tried this or any diet, and this is awful. <laughs> so, wait, how this long have you been awful. on it? Oh, because last on our last podcast recording, we were yeah. having Bellinis, and I poured you a Bellini, and then you gave it back to me, and you're like, I'm on hold 30. I forgot. Okay, so yes. it's been at it's least very two tempting. weeks. Yes, I'm at day 15 of the 30 days. So I don't feel it's better. not like you're counting. I hate everyone. <laughs> I'm in the worst mood. Um, <laughs> Have you lost 100 pounds? No, and I'm the same weight. So <laughs> I don't. Well, I thought I'd feel better based on their whole book so i apologize to, <laughs> to everyone <laughs> to everyone um but my point of this was you do a lot of you you have to make it all the all your food at home so there's a lot of prep work and we're here this month so i was like yeah we'll do it we're finally home for a few weekends <laughs> so my my actual trial is the fact that i am constantly washing dishes so <laughs> Because <laughs> you're cooking at home. Yeah. Right? <laughs> where? Where? No, Don't you have a dishwasher? That's still not my point. I'm getting there. Okay. So you have the dishes that go in the dishwasher, mm-hmm. and then you have the things that can't go in the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. What do you not put in the dishwasher? I'm so liberal about this. Anything with wood, I don't okay. put in. So knives or cutting boards. Correct. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of chopping, so my knives have wood on them and that, so that's yeah. two things mm-hmm. I don't put in. And then... All the little, like, measuring cups and stuff, because I'm going to need them the next day. The stack of stuff drying next to your stink sink ah. constantly is my actual <laughs> trial. Mm. Is there a prettier way to do it? Every, mor- every evening, it stacks up. In the morning before work, I put it all away because I can't stand walking in the door and seeing that. Mm-hmm. But my question is, does anyone have a good answer for that? Other than put it all in your dishwasher and pull it out a or good solution that's how it's yeah just, there's nothing attractive about the pile but there's nothing do you use a dish rack i don't i just pile no. it up i just put a like tea towel yeah. down down and, and just yeah. stick it on top of it. Have- i dry mine on my stove which my husband thinks is a really bad idea but i don't like draining it on the counter i'd rather it drain on the stove i don't know why he thinks it's bad for the stove a lot of times though if it's like I just put it on the dish, the dish towel, or you can just ha- like hand dry it with a little towel. Well, that's what I, I guess I could do. I it mean, s- yeah, 
continue to drive Either way, it's away a lot of work. is yeah. the answer, probably. Yeah. But I'm always scared someone, like, I won't have time in the morning and then I'll have people come over. And I'll be like, oh, excuse my pile. Right. What if you got, like, a big tray with a lip, like a one or two inch lip on it, and you put a dish towel, like, if it was, you know, plastic or not plastic, like, I have a one that's sort of a lacquered square white tray. It's just very simple. But it has a two-inch lip. Mm-hmm. Oh, you if I tray put, it all? Yeah, and I you could put idea. a dishwasher, a dish idea. towel in the bottom, and then just as things come out, you just drop, drop it in the tray, but there's a towel on the bottom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I have an idea. Okay, go. All right, it's dovetails on your idea, but it makes it even better. Okay. All right, top All right, so you could take a uh, like a roasting pan or cookie sheet or something that's large, right? Yep. Put your little tea towel on the bottom, put everything in that to dry, and then stick it in your oven so you can't see it. And oh, then when you get up the next morning, pull it out, put it away. That's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as you don't turn your oven on, that would be so bad. Everything would melt and ruin. <laughs> Honey, I've preheated the oven for you. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> there go my yeah, plastic I measuring cups. I will admit that I have stored dirty dishes in my oven before when people were coming over for a party. And like my dishwasher was running and it was full and I, ha- and I didn't have time to wash everything and people were showing up. You know, like a yeah. party, a lot of people. Yeah. And I stuck it all in my oven. If you're not using the oven. And I've also put stuff in my trunk of my car before. (laughs) You took the stuff out? Oh, okay. Well, because I had a little little condo, and I didn't really have anywhere to put it. You you know, the minute you hide something in your house, people are going to find it, like in your coat closet or something. What's this bowl? (laughs) (laughs) Plus, just a pack of dirty dishes in your coat closet. (laughs) Or dirty laundry. Like, just shove it in your trunk. (laughs) All right. Look, this is desperate times going for desperate measures. Fair right. enough. So that was your trial. <laughs> Luckily, my triumph was short. Uh, you know that long list, to-do list you have? We got something off of it. We fixed the screen doors on our screen porch, put in new ones. David painted them oh and got God. them up and level. And so between that and being sprayed for mosquitoes, our backyard is open for business. For the I feel awesome. like you yeah. get more stuff done than like us mortals. Taryn is always, like, tackling some projects. Pro- yeah. You are, too. You, like, painted right. your fence and moved your hydrangeas and stuff. I'm lazy. Well, I just, just don't like to be embarrassed. Really? So that is That's what it is. most of the reason I do things. Not for personal satisfaction. It's like, oh, this what is embarrassing. People? people will judge me. Mm. And so I try to fix it. Mm. That's true. Yeah. I was raised that way. It's, it's pride. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh-oh. Yeah. You go. Do you have yours? Well, no, but this is a small aside about the pride. So I'm hosting my, getting ready to host my 30-year high school reunion at my own home. Talk about judgment, people. Don't you think everybody's going to be judging it? Oh, yeah, yeah, but your house is amazing. Well, but it's going to be in my backyard. So then I'm like, your well, backyard do I need amazing. to paint the rest of the fence? Do I need to put up string lights? Do I, I mean, like, so now I've got all this mm. mental stress about... This party. Anyway, I'll keep y'all posted on how it goes. I just wanted to let you know over the next few weeks, I've got to be working on that disaster. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, Karen. What? You are a constant entertainer. So I feel like you're already head and shoulders around most people. So they're going to be like, yeah, so impressed. And how many people are you having? Don't sweat it. It was a very small class. So we only had, I don't know, 30 something people in our graduating class. Oh. So maybe if every single person shows up with a spouse, 60 people. So it'll probably be like 30 people. Yeah. 
Karen, you go. Okay, so um, my triumph is uh, we had a listener email us with a suggestion about a television show we should watch, and I watched it. And it is a Netflix show, and it is called The Art of Abstract, The Art of Design. And um, I'm obsessed with another television show called Chef's Table. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Have I talked about this on here before? Okay. Everybody go watch this show, Chef's Table. It is beautifully produced and photographed, and each episode highlights a different chef. Um, And it's something my husband and I both really enjoy watching. So... This uh, abstract, the art of design, comes up as a suggestion if you watch Chef's Table. And I had remembered that she had emailed us. Um, and so I was like, oh, 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 Joe, you know, this, I've heard this is really good. We've had someone email us. Uh, and abstract, the art of design, each episode highlights a different type of designer. So mm-hmm. it could be an architect or an illustrator, or there's one on interior design. Ooh that highlights um, a designer and um, her name is Ilsa Crawford Um, and it is really interesting because uh, we just take I feel like we take so much for granted about people's skills or how they do what they do or the training it requires or the creativity it requires or Mm -hmm. the level of mastery of a skill that some of these people in the world have Um, you know we take it for granted and it is so interesting for me this show i recommend it highly recommend it to all of you and thank you to our listener who sent it in to us i definitely agree the show abstract is awesome i've been watching it for a while because someone recommended it a long time ago anyway just because being in design you always you know how do how do you do it how do you process and it's it's a neat show just to see all the different um Backgrounds and yeah, mm-hmm. and to see the creativity that flows out of these people is incredible mm-hmm. to me. It's very humbling. I'm like, man, y'all are really good at what you do. Oh yeah, yeah, really good. Um, okay, I guess my trial is has nothing to do with interior design, you guys. I'm sorry, but um, my son Zach, who is 23, is um, over visiting um, some family in Prague for a month or so. So he left his car that we just got him for graduation outside our house parked on our street. And I, I drove it to work, uh, like on a Friday, I came home, I parked it. Um, what was it like Saturday afternoon or Sunday? We noticed someone had totally sideswiped it in the middle of the night, just driving down our street all the way down the side of the car, knocked the mirror off (gasps) and then kept driving. Isn't that nice? I mean, it was, it's like a little Ford fusion, you know, so it's, I mean, it's, but it's so cute, and I don't know, I was bummed. I haven't that told really him. Sucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get it fixed before he got back to town. But no. anyway, because it was his graduation gift. Oh, that's so sad. It is sad. I know. People. On a higher note, Mr. French is doing just fine. Just so y'all know, oh, he had good. his follow-up checkup yesterday, and he's just fine. So anyway. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, yeah, Mr. French. French. <laughs> All right, Caroline, your turn. Okay, it's my turn. Um, so my triumph is that you're so smiley. <laughs> yeah, you're giggling. What is this? Um, okay, so last week I get to go to location occasionally and shoot stuff for the blog and for other stuff, and um, I always really enjoy it. But um, we are doing 
we're shooting Christmas right now. It's and so hard to shoot holiday. Yeah. People get so worn out. Because there's so much stuff. Oh, my God. All the decor. I and came home every day last week and was just like, I'm going to veg out on the sofa. I can't <laughs> not move or cook or do anything. Anyways, but so um, we, we were trying to create, like, these really cozy spaces. And for some reason, I just got in my head that I really wanted a dog in one of my shots. And so um, my husband's been taking Annie, our puppy, two, month, two years old, um, to work every day. And so I convinced him, like, hey, can you maybe come up to location one day and, like, bring her around lunchtime and we'll pop her into the shot we're working on and just take a picture? And he was like, yeah, sure. And I was telling Susan, our creative director, like, hey, I'm, is it okay if I have him bring the dog for just, a, like, an hour or something and then, you know, it would be fine? And she was like, oh, yeah, wait, but could could she stay and we can put her in one of the shots for um, the catalog? And I was like... Well, yeah, she's a star. And so we shot her. She's cute dogs. I know, but I mean, she was there, and they had the shot ready, so to put her in it. Y'all, she was so good. Everyone gets real jealous about yeah. whose dog gets in the shots. That's what Terrence so irritated. Her. She's like, "What about my dog?" Susan told me no brown dogs. Yeah, because they just turn into a mass of brown. You can't see their face or their little details. So. She looks so cute. Does she look cute? All right. Yeah. We'll be, looking, be on the lookout in holiday. In our holiday catalog Annie. and on the blog. And not Taryn's but, um, dog. <laughs> Baylor. Well, so here's Baylor. The thing. Baylor. Baylor. Okay. Mr. French has never I been on set that. because he would eat everything and be a mess. Well, so the shot that they were going to shoot her in, um, they didn't have like fully set up when she got there. They were like, you know, 60% Will was there during lunchtime and then it was time for him to go back to work and he it wasn't ready. So I was like, okay, well, I guess you just have to leave her here. So I just like took one of our dog bags that was a prop, stuck it in the corner, like gave her a bone from the dog toy prop bin. <laughs> and she sat there and just like hung out the fun. whole day. Oh, fun. It was so yeah. cute. Anyway, very it was just very exciting. Because um, I never actually thought that she would be in it. But it just worked out. Yay. And she's so famous. Proud mama. <laughs> and he's so famous. All right, what's you your trial? Um, okay, so my trial, and certainly I'm not the only gross person that has ever done this, but, like, have you all ever left stuff in your um, washing machine for, like, mm-hmm. a day too long? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, And it gets Sours. that nasty, ugh. Yeah. Do you all know the trick for getting it out? Because washing I just learned it, it again. <laughs> Sometimes that doesn't do it. I've never had it not work. How long do you leave it in there? Well, it's summer. It was like a day, but... It's so you just, rewashed it with detergent and everything, and it's still stinky? It subtly has that... always my go-to. <laughs> we learned that. Yeah. Okay, well, here is another option. You just put some vinegar. Uh, put, vinegar's like, also good on mildew. If yeah. you get anything that mildewed in your closet from extra yeah. moisture, you're supposed to soak in vinegar. Yeah. Well, I did that, and it worked perfectly. It was amazing. You Anyways. add vinegar to your workout clothes, too. Oh. Get out the stank. The stank. Oh. If you have stanky workout clothes, <laughs> which I'm sure you don't. I don't, but my husband might. Boys are gross. Anyways, but I... Or OxyClean, as yeah. we've learned. Okay, that was that was my trial. That's it was just... It? <laughs> Well, vinegar works on everything. 
Years since I had to wash dishes and years since I had to wash clothes. Y'all are lame. I don't have another leak in my house. I probably will next week. Yeah, well, no, but there are times where I've washed like something like dog towels. Like we'll put the dog towels in the washer, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not something I necessarily need a lot. So it just kind of a top load or is it a front load? It's front loader. Yeah, the front load is dif- difficult. Well, not difficult, but it's not as for soaking thing. You can't put things in and let it soak. In no, the front I don't load. have a soaking yeah option, which is nice what? about the top load. I can't soak. There's no soak you button. Can stop and soak. No, mine has a setting. Soak. It does. I On the front, have a soak setting. Man, fancy pants. <laughs> well, you know <laughs> the newest technology over here. Oh, I'm assuming it's whatever David Standard. thought was good enough. Yeah. Well, I was expecting this not to work, and I tried the vinegar, and it worked, and I was really proud of myself. So I'm sorry that that was lame, but I no, thought it was that exciting. Was pretty good. <laughs> All right, good job, Carol. I'll be less judgy. We have a very special guest today. Her name is Nancy Braithwaite, and she is an interior designer in Atlanta. And we are sitting here looking at multiple copies of her book. She's been an interior designer here for many years, but you also do work in New York, um, all over the country. We work all over the country. Um, and I especially am drawn to your style because it's very simple, but it's never plain. It's always really dramatic and comfortable. It's, I feel like your style is very unique. Well, so. the, the title of your book that we were just talking about is actually Simplicity. Right. And maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit for us and explain how simple doesn't mean empty. Like, define to us what you meant by that title, if you don't mind. Well, it's a rather a long explanation. Uh, it's technical, but I believe in what I call my seven elements of design. And they are the principles under which I work. Um, I have developed them myself for me when I began to understand what I was doing. Now, for me, I didn't start out with any particular philosophy other than creativity, I think was my main goal. Um, But as I worked, people began to say, that's Nancy Braithwaite. And I I really didn't understand what that meant. Um, Because I don't think you, in any craft you're in, you have to work in it for a while before you even begin to understand what you do or don't do and what you've learned and haven't learned. I mean, that's just the growth uh, thing. So when people began to point out it's Nancy Braithwaite, we can tell it's her work. Or I had a client say to me once that really stuck with me. She said, oh, I supposed if Nancy did it, she just put a large jar or a large vase someplace and put three flowers in it, and it was fabulous. I'll never forget that she said that. And I thought, well, what does that mean? Three large, I mean, what, what was that about? So 
just because of other people, uh, I began to develop this whatever it was, and I began to be able to call it a name. Um, took a long time, but once I got it, it was like magic for me because I, I had to learn to train my eyes. And that, for me, is the key to training, I mean, to being a good designer. You have to educate your eyes. You have to train them, and you have to learn to see, not just look. That is a big, big issue. Most people will just look. Yeah, there's that and that. But some people really can get their eye on the object and analyze that object, and that is seeing. Looking is an emotional experience. Oh, isn't that pretty? Seeing is beabling. It's much more difficult than being able to understand and quantify the object at which you're looking. Um, so in the course of my development as a designer, my principles, uh, architecture, um, composition, proportion and scale, color, texture, pattern, and craftsmanship. Uh, and particularly when I wrote my book, I could absolutely quantify everything I was doing in one of these categories. And the simple part is that you have to understand the key element in each one of these categories, and that's how I achieve my simplicity. And I hope I'm not just decorating a space, but creating a design statement for the client. It sounds pretty complicated to make something simple. It is. It the sounds worst. like it's more complicated to make something simple than it is to make it layered or, you know, have a more elaborate approach. Yeah, because I have a good way to explain that. If you put on a little black dress to go out in the evening, think of a Coco Chanel. Uh, that's very simple and, and, you know, has the right architecture for your body and has the right proportion and scale for your body and is a good, you know, good piece of architecture, now you begin to want to accessorize it. And if you put on a pair of earrings, okay, you've made one statement, now maybe a necklace, you've made another statement. Bracelet, ring, still more, then come the shoes, and then, you know, a sweater or whatever. So you are putting many elements onto your little black dress. So if you can imagine yourself standing there with the rings and the bracelets and the necklace and the earrings and the sweater and the handbag and the shoes, you have to look and say, mm, 
what am I supposed to look at anymore? I'm covering up this magnificent dress with stuff. Mm-hmm. And the eye doesn't know where to look anymore. Does the eye look at the earrings and miss the dress? Does it look at it? Maybe earrings and great shoes that complement it. But all you have to, you have to think of. You are a composition, and you cannot put everything on at once. And that applies to decorating too. And you have to have the right scale. Scale is very important. It sort of seems, um, from a lot of the spaces in your book, like you sort of try to make as much of a statement as possible with as few things as possible. That might be sort of skewing kind of your motivation a little bit. That was sort of something that I noticed. It's like there are, in a lot of the rooms, there weren't many things, but each thing, each furniture piece or drapery or light fixture was very purposeful. And they all sort of came together to make this big statement but you're, if you really were to look at it, you'd be like, well, there are only like four chairs and a big vase or, you know, one great flowers. piece of art. <laughs> yes. That's all about proportion and scale, which is, as I explained about the dress, everything in life is about, in design, is about proportion and scale. I mean, take your eyeglasses. You know, when you go buy a pair, they have to be the right proportion and scale for your face. Further, once they're right for your face, they have to be well-designed as well. And if you take a room and you fill it with stuff, what are we supposed to look at? We don't have any any focal point, and every room needs to have what I call a power statement. That is when you walk into the room, you can feel the power in that room, and it's something mystical almost, and you go, I don't know what this is, but man, does this feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a New York decorator show house years and years ago, and Terry Despont, who is a famous architect, he's living today, um, had done a room, and I was very young in my career, and I had gone through the house, and I came upon his room. I stood there mesmerized. I said, what's going on here? I couldn't understand what it was, but it affected me emotionally. And it just filled me with wonder, really wonder. I stood there and thought, what is it? Well, he had created this sense of power with the architecture in his room, the composition, the scale, the color, the pattern, the texture, and the craftsmanship. So my, I, was, I was dumbfounded. I really was. I was very young, and I was dumbfounded. And I said, this is what I need. But I didn't know how to get there. I know mm-hmm. how to get there now. Right. <laughs> so how can we and our listeners train our eyes? What can we do? Well, one thing that was very helpful to me, um, I 
early, early in my career, I met a woman by the name of Deanne Levison, who is an American antique dealer, and now considered to be probably the best, period. The most authoritative um, dealer and uh, expert on American antiques. And you write about her in your book, yes. and she has and a she has, in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was so meaningful to me in every way. She's a dear friend, but what she taught me, she, she taught me how to use my eyes and with the seeing business, just not the looking. It started with, we had just moved to Atlanta, and I didn't know anybody. And we, we had started to collect American antiques, and... Um, they're difficult to find, and you don't find them in every place. And if you're going to collect antiques, particularly American, you need to find a dealer that is reputable. Well, I kept hearing about her, that, oh, she was putting things in museums all the time and selling to museums. And I thought, well, that's the kind of person that I would be mm-hmm. interested in buying from. And... Um, so we met, and she had a shop here at the time on Peachtree, and her windows were just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I used it. to drive by her windows, and I went, oh, I could help her. I, I didn't even know her. <laughs> we could her. be good partners. We could be, we could, I, I could fix this for her. So uh, for three days, I thought, should I call her? No, I can't do that. <laughs> Finally, my husband said, would you just call the woman? I said, okay. So I called her and I said, you know, I can help you. <laughs> if you can imagine. If you can imagine. You're so impertinent. <laughs> oh, exactly. And um, so she said, uh-huh, yeah, right. I said, I'll do them for free, but I think I can make them more attractive for you. Well, she said, okay. So the first one was not very inspirational because... I didn't know how far I could go. Mm-hmm. I, you didn't want to step on her toes too much. You guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then we became friends. And then the windows became more adventuresome. And that's how I started my business in Atlanta, because people noticed them. Really? Wow. Yeah. And um, Cabbage Patch was one of my early clients and the owner and designer and creator of the Cabbage Patch doll was watching these windows. And so he called me and he, I started doing work for him at his house, their house, but then I worked in their corporate offices and I blah, 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 I did all kinds of things for him. That was what... Deanne was one of the start, and he was in the other start. Now, to finish my story about Deanne, um, she was doing shows, you know, the New York antique shows. There was a show in, um, in the South someplace. I can't remember. There were so many of them. So I started designing her booths. Then she got invited to the premier East Side antique show at the Armory on Park Avenue in New York. And I did them there. 
we went as two little southern girls scared to death to New York for the first time. And a southern dealer had never been invited before. Wow. Ever, ever, ever. Wow. And we had the crummiest booth. <laughs> we did. The very crummiest booth there, kind of on the outside, not in the important middle part. And I wallpapered it. I did all kinds of things that had not been done before because people didn't decorate these booths. Mm-hmm. They just I filled decorated. Them up with stuff. They just filled them with stuff. Uh-huh. And the New York Times came by, and they looked at the booth, and they took pictures of it, and blah blah blah. We were so excited. Didn't think that much about it. And Mario Buata came by, and he was actually he bought something from Dan before the show opened. And um, the next morning, we got the paper. There we were, the big picture. Wow! How cool! In the New York Times. Wow! Oh <laughs> and a picture of the booth. So and, cool! And it was above the fold. Things that are above the fold. Are more That's big. Below. So <laughs> That's can you imagine? It was it was like magic. We were in the New York Times. Wow. That's an incredible story. Yeah, uh-huh. and then, of course, the next year we got moved inside in the more important booth, and the more important booth, and more important booth, <laughs> till finally we were right in the, where the big boys play. Awesome. That is amazing. Did yeah. everyone start decorating their booths like you were? Were they copying no. you? They started to then. Mm-hmm. But I believe I was the first, and now if you go to Deanne and I, uh, if you go to New York, a lot of money is spent on those booths, and they're very expensive to do. We had one booth that was so much fun. Um, it, it depended on what she was going to show. Um, and this goes back to the simplicity thing. It's a, it's a matter of design. In other words, if I want someone to buy this object, I'm going to make it so they can see it. I want to do something with it that will draw the eye, hold the eye, and accompanies and further makes this piece feel fabulous. It's the drama. And that's what the simplicity is in, in knowing how to place things in the right proportion and scale so you don't cover them up. And um, very often what would happen with her main piece, um, one year we had um, tobacco jars, and I think there were 14 of them. Well, these are very rare pieces. And so I got the idea to gild everything in the room the cornices, and of course no one even had a cornice, but I gilded and I brought in columns and all kinds of stuff. That just wasn't done. And I hand-gilded them with gold leaf myself. Wow. Deanne, Sally Hawkins, and myself on the floor (laughs) of the basement for days. Did you have it in your hair? Oh, yeah. It's a it's like bear glitter. to yeah. work with. It's terrible. Because <laughs> it's so all, thin. Yeah, it's thin, and it flies, yeah. and it sticks, and <laughs> the whole booth. You gilded yourself I hope you in the sold present. those jars for a lot of money. First, <laughs> first minute. And then what happens, it's hard in an antique show, if the client wants them, 
or doesn't want them exposed anymore, you have to take them down. And your bed's so, empty. Then you have to restart. So it's like when you go to a show, um, you have to know the sequencing of objects that are going to be placed, and mm-hmm. everything has to work through sequencing. Wow. That's tough yeah. to do because you don't know when's going to sell what. I have a question about uh, the simplicity part of it. So um, if you guys go on online and Google Nancy or you have her book and you look at her book, you'll see examples of her rooms and you'll know what I'm talking about. But like like you have said and like Caroline has said, each object is so carefully curated, I guess, you know, and I, I think you talk about that in the book a little bit about how, you know, one amazing object to you is way better than 10 sort of mediocre ob- objects um, mm-hmm. clustered together. So when you do look at your spaces, they aren't full, you know, often there's a mantle with nothing over it or uh, bare walls, things like that. Mm-hmm. How do you make it simple but yet welcoming and not austere because nothing feels uh, off-putting. But it is. I feel like that must be a hard line. Um, Well, first of all, uh, everything begins with a client. Um, Every client has a different taste. Every client has a different comfort level. Every client has a different budget. Um. But once you've kind of zeroed in on that, one of my main operatives is that in the composition of a room, you begin with the larger elements and work down to the smaller elements. That's really what composition is all about. And what I love to do is establish the large pieces first. I like to make them as powerful as they can be within a constrained budget and also a client's taste. And then I begin adding the rest of the composition. A room basically is made up of big compositions and smaller compositions. And if you start with the big ones, let's say you have a great uh, chest of drawers and it's important, okay? You have to decide where that goes and then what's going to make it feel better. So I love large-scaled furniture because I think that anchors a room. And after you put the large scale in, then you go to the smaller scale, which honors the larger scale. And then you have to know when to stop, when you're comfortable. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think upholstered furniture um, is a great way to anchor a room um, because it's not horribly expensive, and it can be big or it can be small, and it brings that level of comfort in that you're talking about. And you have to have chairs that people really can sit in and have a conversation and are comfortable in. Mm-hmm. I did notice that a lot of your furniture, it seemed like, was um, a more relaxed fit or yes. something. Yes. Relaxed slip covers, linens. So it was almost like that. You, when you think of slip covers, I feel like I think of something really comfortable 
And it was that like balances that more simple grand statement. Does that make right. any sense? <laughs> I don't no, know how it to does, describe it. It does. It does. That um, a, a well done slip cover, let me put it that way. Uh, you know, there's a trend now, slip covers can be sloppier than. Well, what is that? It's a sloppy slip cover, and it doesn't acknowledge or help the form of the chair. But a beautifully slip-covered chair by a good slip-cover person um, and, and, um, is magic, mm-hmm. is magic. Because if it's an old chair, you can turn the corner of it. But I dislike these sloppier, sloppy kind of looks where the slip-cover's dragging on the floor and the seams aren't even done well. I don't I prefer a nicely tailored slip cover. Right. Nothing in your rooms is sloppy <clears throat> at all. I <clears throat> know. <Mm-mm. laughs> I don't like that. No, I can imagine. I mean, the photos of your home, I feel like every object has a place yep. where it goes all the time. Yep. And I love that. That yeah. makes me so happy. <laughs> well, what's, what's really interesting, so many of the things I've done have remained that way for 20 and 30 years with clients. I go back and it's the same thing. It hasn't moved. And they also always photograph it for their housekeeper or for themselves. Now, is that the way you really want it, Nancy? I said, yeah. That doesn't mean you can't move it, but they don't move it. Yeah, they just like it exactly as <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, mm-hmm. Perfect the now, first time. speaking of that, I often ask this. Um, are you a set-it-and-forget-it person in your own home, or do you like to move things around? I move constantly because... My eye is always searching for something new. Take this object and make it more fun because that's what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. I'm always change, always changing. Are you always on the hunt? Do you shop a lot? Yeah, sure. I mean, as a collector. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine. Yes, yes, but um, a house can only hold so much. <laughs> that's why you have clients. <laughs> and you know, um, if we've been collecting American antiques for forty years, so they've gotten very expensive, and that is part of, you know, part of the game too. Right. How did your house differ when you're? You have two girls, right? Mm-hmm. How did how did it differ when they were young? Was it was it the when same? They were at or, home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like or I guess. I know it wasn't the same, but did you decorate differently? Did you approach things differently no. when you had kids? No. I was learning. And my, my, both my girls would say, all she did was make us move furniture. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I did. And I also, you know, messed my back up because I, I could move a piano in a heartbeat. <laughs> mm-hmm. I figured out if I could lift the piano one leg with my back and yeah. slip a towel underneath it do that to all three legs i could s- swing that piano <laughs> from one <laughs> so our house was always a laboratory for me you know to kind of study and, and i had someone come in once and say can't you just make it pretty i said nope <laughs> there's gotta be more it's the soul. It's that soul in a room. That same feeling about when I was standing in front of Terry Despont, I just went, oh, my God. I like that, oh, my God, kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. That something is soulful. 
you know. Do you feel like um, spaces have a soul before you come in? Like, do you feel like a house has a soul already? Or do you feel like it's the items in the home? That- it's both. Basically, I began my seven elements of design with architecture, which I think is the key element. I think architects can work magic. They can take a plain, ordinary box and make it happen. I I admire architects. I like to work with architects. We're working on a huge project now in Memphis, and I love working with them the architects that are on the job. It's just so creative. So so you've got a, a vanilla box, and if you have the budget, it is great to start with the architecture, and that begins the soul. Now, if something already has good architecture, you're great. Your soul has already happened. But if it just doesn't you can fix it with architecture and depending on your budget it can be magic and then what you have to do is begin the soulful decorating with the careful pieces and scale and proportion and color and texture and all those things that you put in to give it soul but architecture begins the soulfulness it's easy to decorate a beautiful beautiful home right you know it's much harder if the there's nothing to begin with so you hope and it is also fun to start out with something that's plainer and suggest adding some molding or better floors or we just finished a job that was um uh a simple house and um it was a young couple and the first thing i said let's just make the floors black. And they both looked at me and they went, black? I needed something to start it with energy. I couldn't touch the architecture. So we did the floors black, and it transformed that place. Transformed it in an instant. All right, when you're painting the floors black, I'm assuming they're wood floors. They were stained. We sanded them and stained stained them black. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. All right. I was going to ask you, like, what was your process? Okay, so there it's a black, like an ebony stain. Mm-hmm. Was it a matte finish? I'm yeah, trying to it was I, not too much shine. Uh huh. Yeah. Sounds gorgeous. It does yeah, sound well, really just can, can you imagine a room that hasn't got much going for it, and then you make the floors black? Hello. Yeah. Suddenly, drama. Like mm-hmm. you said, power. It begins the power. Mm-hmm. And then you add on to the power to reach the. <gasps> level the apex yep so i um first these two always make fun of me because i remember people's homes in magazine your daughter's home was featured in cottage living i remember this she's redheaded right mm-hmm. adorable girl yeah, she she and i own baby braithwaite which used to be right over here by our office, and then you moved yeah. it. Well, then we moved into Buckhead, um, and then now we've just moved once again because they're redeveloping Buckhead. But now we're permanent at West Paces Ferry and Northside Drive. Do you still have those 
Um, yes. Those giant teddy bears. <laughs> yes. I Talk about a power. Loved those. There were okay. these ginormous faux boxwood animals. Yes. Probably 10, 12 feet tall. Yes. 15 feet tall. Yes. That yes. sit outside the front door, yes. flank the front door yes. of the store. Oh, I love those. Well, I, I wanted those. something that was my power statement mm-hmm. that would draw the eye. And so there it is. And I'm assuming that you were very involved with the interior design of that store as well. Oh, of, oh, of course. Oh, it was, well, still is, but I don't go into it anymore since it's not here by my office and yeah. I have 23 year old children. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was just so uh, unusual for a children's store to have such great style, you know, with those big white boxes. I feel like there were big white boxes mm-hmm. that things were displayed in. And it's oh, so striking. Power, scale, composition, architecture. But, in, of course, in a retail space, you have to be careful. You really have to know what you're doing because you don't have the budget. All right, so back to your question, Caroline, about the cottage. Oh, I just, I, I just, like, absorbed every single thing. I would, like, go back through. In the, her home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the article, because of exactly what you're talking about, it was so simple Back to the simple thing, but it just was so, um, you upholstered, or I guess, I assumed that y'all did this together, mm-hmm. her house, mm-hmm. but um, the armchairs in the living room were upholstered in white quilts. Yes. And I just thought that was like genius. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there was just like something, as I was reading through it, because it was like a humble material, but in the right application, can be so striking and unusual and, you know, something you want to talk about. But I was thinking in that home, was the carpet not upholstered in, or the floor not upholstered in seagrass, or not upholstered, um, carpeted in seagrass. Like wall-to-wall. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. like wall-to-wall. And had very bad floors, um, and she didn't have the budget to fix them. And I love using quilted fabrics on furniture, uh, number one, a quilted fabric has um, heft to it, and it doesn't wrinkle because the quilting has already done its job, and it just lasts for a long time and holds its form. It's a great, great fabric to upholster with. I'm have to... Yeah. Remember that? Mentally <laughs> pull that, that up there. That's a good that. little tip. Because I just liked it for the look. You know, it was white, but it was this. It had pattern too, but it was also inexpensive. Yeah, because we were able to buy the quilts at cost, and we bought great big ones, and uh, we slip covered everything. Or maybe we upholstered. I don't remember. It's harder to upholster. Uh, I mean, to slip cover with fabrics that are very, very thick. Um, we have a very special woman who does it for us here in Atlanta, and sometimes she struggles because we use kind of thicker, real textural fabrics. Mm-hmm. And a quilt would be one of those. I just loved that house. That was just the first time that I had seen your work, and I just like went through and over it and back and mm-hmm. read it again. And You'll have to put be... a link uh, yeah. in the show notes find... so that people well, can see it. Cottage Living is... Donzo, Gone. and it makes me so sad. Yeah, it was my favorite. Yep. It was Gone. such a good one. Anywho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you remember the red shoes? I made her put on red shoes for the shoes. She was sitting on the kitchen <laughs> counter, counter with red yeah. shoes on. Well, I think that that's what people who 
um, are trying to design for themselves have to do when they're looking at things that they enjoy if they're going to try to emulate in their own homes things that uh, resonate with them visually they have to dissect it and say well what about this do I like mm -hmm. is it you know mm -hmm. is it the composition of the room is it the the color scheme is it the way it's accessorized so that if they're going to try to emulate it they can actually See break it. the components of down got to be themselves. able to say what am I looking at mm -hmm. what, what is it that I'm looking at and try to focus on that and remember that part of the reason I wanted to always do this podcast I was I bothered people here in the office for months before we started it. <laughs> it's because I think by talking to people um, and by listening to people that are really, really good at what they do, you can learn. And it's the same thing with, I guess, if you were when you were working with Deanne, um, you can study something that you love and, like you were saying, Karen, break it down and. And first, I feel like you have to maybe emulate other people's style. And then while you're doing that, you get to learn what your own is. And you can kind of feel out like, oh, okay. And you, you, you learn to do that. I remember Deanne said to me at one of the first shows I ever went to her with, I'd look at something and say, oh, I love this. And she'd look at me and she'd say, Nancy, look at it. Oh, I knew I was in trouble. I knew that I, I wasn't seeing. I was looking. She said, look at it. So I looked and looked, and then she'd tell me what was wrong with it. I went, oh, uh-huh. I see. I see. Was it generally proportion issues, or was it? It was the whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing. It was the whole thing. From It's all my elements, my seven elements right. of design. And then I... I you know, we did that for 25 years. Can you imagine what she taught me? How did she learn? Where'd she learn? She, I, she started out being interested in wood. And what was she wanted to be a doctor and several things. And then her parents collected, and that's how she got into it. And, of course, um, it, what we would do, because I was with her all the time for a, for a while doing all the shows... She taught me everything, and we were looking at the best. And then we used to do Heart of Country. That was it. Heart of Country, which was a real country show, and it was so much fun. And the quality wasn't the same as, of course, the New York Antique Show. So I'd learn about lesser things and all that time. And now I'm told I have a, a good eye. Uh, she trained my eye. She trained me. It was great. Yeah. You're lucky. Yeah. It's good education. <laughs> yeah. And working with the architects I've worked with, too. Yeah. yeah. They're magic. <laughs> um, do you have any advice for, for people or listeners to know when to stop, like, in a room? It's, it's a hard thing to know, but very often um, I will do something and then I do a room and then I will say to myself just let this rest a minute Nancy Your, my eyes need to rest that means I need to walk away from it and then I'll come back and really see it 
with a refreshed eye. That's very important because, you know, you can live with things all the time, and pretty soon you don't see them anymore. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Particularly on an installation very often because you're bringing a lot at once, um, and you've bought all these things, and now they all have to work together. And so you need to step back a little bit, and let your eyes rest, and then you go back in. You go, uh huh. Now I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can do that several times. And if it's your own home, you can do it all the time. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yes, yeah. keep moving it. Yeah. Do you feel like you've just hit your stride, or have you? When did you feel like you hit your stride with this? <laughs> that's better. Well, it was funny when I got my first cover of House. My first cover. House Beautiful, I began to think, my husband said to me, he said, there's only so many magazines and you're on the cover. You must be doing something right. And I thought about that and I think, well, you know, I didn't really realize that. But the magazines have always been great to me and... I think I hit my stride maybe 15 years ago, maybe 20, when I began to understand what I was doing. Mm-hmm. That I began to understand I had a formula. I had things that I could could rely on and that I understood them. Right. All of a sudden, I said, well, over there, that needs to be a big piece of furniture. It needs to do this, and it needs to be this and this. And I thought, oh. I liked that I reached that level where I felt I knew what I was doing and not just guessing at it. And that took a long time. It took a long time of trial and error. It wasn't a gift. I think it's a gift, but it wasn't a gift in the beginning because I had no idea. But, but now I understand. Mm-hmm. It sounds just like practice. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, if you are decorating your own home, try a lamp. If it doesn't look right, try a different lamp. Move it to drag it all around. Exactly. Room to room. Move it around. Absolutely. Uh That's what I did in our house. As I said, my children got so tired of moving things. But that was like my workshop. That was... um, one of the places that I got to experiment and try. First time I painted uh, painted walls black. My husband just went crazy. When was that? What year was 40 that? Forty years ago. You are a trend setter because now it's like the hot thing <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah, and he went, "Have you lost your mind?" I said, "I think <laughs> I think this could be interesting." And. Um, and and you mustn't ever be afraid to experiment. Right. Just go for it. It's just just go for it. Yeah. And yeah. it's nothing irreversible. No. You're gonna paint a room it's not ten a tattoo. times. No. Mm-hmm. No. No. One of the things that you were talking about in your book and you briefly touched on it here, uh, is um uh, what, what did you call it in your in your book? I think you were calling it vignettes or something. I can't remember. Um, but you started by saying, "Okay, the layout of the room is the largest one," and then you kind of go down and down and That's down. The composition. The compositions. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Like you're saying, if you you get your big composition in place, mm-hmm. you know that's right. It feels good, and then you can work on the smaller that's as you exactly go. Exactly right. So top um, down. 
Right, exactly. Like I feel in me, I've got the energy to like redo the small compositions maybe once a year, but like the big ones, no way. <laughs> well, you can also move furniture around and change compositions mm-hmm. with the existing things. But don't start out, don't get all caught up in what's happening on top of this little table. Mm-mm. Right. Look at the whole room. Look at it and see how you can best make magic happen. Look at the big composition, then trade down. Mm-hmm. It's the same way in dressing, like I explained. You pick the dress first. You don't pick the shoes first. You pick the dress. You pick the biggest items. And your biggest item, of course, is your room. Mm-hmm. And then anchor it, make it feel comfortable, get it, and then worry about the little things. I wanted to ask a little bit about... Um, your sense of whimsy mm-hmm. because uh, I I was really surprised about that honestly because I felt um, I felt like I I, I don't know I, I think I came into it with assumptions about what I thought your rooms would be like right so I had seen some of them but I hadn't really dove into uh, a lot of your work until you know the last week or so and I was really combing through your book really closely and it came up again and again kind of your love of animals Mm -hmm. and um like we were just talking about those giant topiaries outside your store Mm -hmm. and your first purchase at deanne's store was a swan and the sheep in your yard and you have five cats six 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 oh my gosh but sort of this this love of whimsy i think it really endeared uh you to me because i felt like um it, it it brings this whole nother level of sort of an emotion to what you're doing in the rooms. You know, there's, it's not all so serious. No, no. Um, again, whimsy, my two favorite things are after all the rest, I guess, <laughs> are craftsmanship and whimsy and anything that can make you smile or something that's a little askew or something that's not dead perfect, doesn't that make you happy? And, and who doesn't love animals? And, and the funny thing, I think about all the animals I use, um, we have some Lalan, and uh, they become, of course, since he's passed away, they're all, they bring huge amounts of money. Um, but when we bought them, we were at a Paris flea market, and I saw a sheep, and I went, what is that? What, what is that? Well, of course, it was Lalan. And that's going back to my conversation, one more thing about looking and seeing. I said, I don't know what that is, but I think that's good. And we bought several of them at different times, and of course now they're priceless but how I want to go back to your whimsy and in animals I think are fun I use them all the time when a client is you know wants that but not everybody wants that but that's my fun and my uh, that's fun for me and it's unexpected which I always like unexpected which is the part that's the whimsy just a little bit of something unexpected um, and, and my second really big thing is craftsmanship. 
and, and the easiest way to explain that, if you buy a dress for 1995, you're going to get a 1995 Craftsman. If you drop, buy a designer dress, you're going to get better Craftsmanship. So I love when things are as beautifully detailed and made as the budget will allow. Mm-hmm. What do you think people who are on a limited budget should invest in if for their first items? Certainly the upholstered furniture. What they're going to sit on every day. Yep, and what makes them comfortable. And then, it, depending on your budget, I think probably one or two key pieces to kind of hold the room together. And um, sometimes uh, draperies can add... Um, because they're not too terribly expensive and they bring a lot of volume to a room and or color, texture, pattern, whatever you're after. Um, I like bare floors, so in the beginning I probably wouldn't spend money on rugs. I like sisal, of course, like everybody does. But get the key things and make them strong enough and then work on little things. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I have a question about symmetry because I've uh, I feel like you employ it a lot, but mm-hmm. sometimes you ignore it mm-hmm. and you create symmetry in other ways. Well, again, it's one of the rules you have to learn. Symmetry can be very powerful. It can bring a power statement to the room because everything is visually in line, and then you can take something and just tweak it and break that symmetry. It's a powerful force in composition. Both symmetry and asymmetry are powerful forces to help organize the design of a room. It's a very easy trick. When I first started out, I loved wearing rings the same on each hand because I liked I thought that was a powerful statement <laughs> um, and as I've gotten older I don't do that anymore. I love that because mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that that's but cool have y'all seen people do like the double cuff? the cuffs it's that's the same a great thing yeah the cuff. I love but, that. and I used to wear very wide bands that were my power statement <laughs> Why don't we answer some questions? Some of our listener you, questions? Yeah. 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 So they email us their dilemmas, and then we bring in power people like okay. you to get expert advice. Okay. Right. It'll be easy. Love it. Okay. This first one is, the images are on the back here. The first one is from Susan, and Susan writes, I am redoing my dining room, and I would like to get a softer, more inviting look, but I'm not sure how to work with my formal furniture. Is there any way to redo this room without replacing all the furniture? Maybe I could get upholstered chairs for the ends of the table and take away one of these side tables. I have space in front of the bay window, which is not shown. If something there would help. Any recommendations would be appreciated, including suggestions on furniture, fabric, wall color, or window treatment. So she has a very, very traditional dining room set up here, and it looks like all the furniture kind of matches or is part of a suite, or at least is all of the same uh, wood tone. It's a large oval dining table with six matching chairs, two armchairs and four side chairs, a sort of a sideboard, and then a china cabinet hutch thing. Mm -hmm. What do you think we should do, Nancy? 
to well, update her space? Um, it's interesting because I have a very strong feeling about wainscoting. Um, if you can imagine this room with all the furniture out of it, um, if rooms are small with lower ceilings, wainscoting cuts a room up even more. So the first thing I would do is remove the wallpaper and paint the room one color. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has it right now. It's got red sort of wallpaper at the top mm-hmm. and white painted mm-hmm. below. Yeah, the contrast is very strong and cuts up the room. So to give the room a more powerful look, I would paint the room all one color. Uh, that would be first. Secondly, I think the rug um, is a black and white rug that makes the room appear smaller because it's like a postage stamp with the furniture right on top of it. So I'd like to see a much bigger rug, and I would just put a simple sisal in or something that's affordable, and I might even do it wall-to-wall, or almost wall-to-wall. Sometimes if you leave it off, you know, three inches or whatever, just something. As big as she can fit in there. As big as she Mm -hmm. can fit in there. And then I'd tackle the, the chandelier. Actually, we in my book, there is a picture of a chandelier kind of like this. They're very formal, and they're, um, you know, they're a little outdated. Mm-hmm. It's a there. crystal drop chandelier. Yeah, and we had one that was a very fine Baccarat one, and the client absolutely had to keep it, so we put lampshades on it, and it helped. It helped it, toned it down a little bit, but he insisted on keeping it. Um, then you've got what looks like to be almost a set of brown furniture. Um, it's a lot of brown. Um, so I would probably slip cover the chairs or at least slip cover the Mr. and Mrs. chairs. Um, she mentions the idea of replacing the end chairs maybe with an upholstered chair or yes, something like that. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah, it? or she could, if she doesn't want to afford that, she can slip what she's got. Uh-huh. She mm-hmm. could slip them all, which would be pretty. If she painted the room a wonderful, just let's say, cream for now, and slipped all the chairs in cream uh, and you know got rid of the kind of contrasty black and white rug that would help pull things together and the you know doing some lampshades and then the room feels very static also it's just like it's probably been that way for a very very long time and the platter sitting on the sideboard is kind of again an old-fashioned kind of a thought so think about getting something more unexpected Think about um, doing the uh, break front. Um, it, very often we take the shelves out of a break front and we will put uh, some fabric to cover it up totally so it just goes away and doesn't become that kind of here's the break front with my mother's china in it. Well, where do you put the fabric? In the back? Or uh-huh. you cover the door so you can't no, see no, inside? No, no, it's fabric inside. Okay, so yeah. it's sort of the back wall of it yeah. you would cover. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. 
And well, do you think she should keep all this furniture or get rid of some of it so it's more well, of a Well, it depends on her budget. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't really understand what her budget is from this, but... Um, she could I, also I think she could use a painted piece too. I mean, the first piece I would probably um, cap kind of maybe was the break front because that is, again is a very old, old fashioned kind right. of right. So, update thing. maybe update, the first yes. piece would be a painted finished yeah. break front yeah. or some Something large scale. Item I don't know together. how old they are, but this feels um, needs to be kind of fresh. And then the, the pictures are so obviously placed i if you want to use them in the room i'd pr try to do something else with them you know they just kind of march down that room and in, in like little soldiers mm -hmm. so I'd maybe one really oversized dramatic thing something or something like yeah that. yeah yeah and if she could replace the chandelier that would be great i, I feel like i can envision it already what <laughs> i feel like i can envision yeah. it already what you're I, talking I, about I, yeah it's not difficult. It, again, it depends on what uh, she values, number one. And I mean, maybe that's her mother's chandelier and she wants it. And then to try the, you know, try the lampshades. They'll help. Actually, in my book, there's a picture of the one with the lampshades. Oh, okay, cool. And it's a very formal room. Yeah, she ought to. She ought to see what's in the book. Cause yeah, Caroline can post a, um, a, uh, yeah, a photo. link to it, too, in yeah. the show notes so that we can um, see. It's, it, you know, whose room it is, Janet. When you paint, when you spoke to painting the whole room one color mm -hmm. um, and the molding below, too, the wainscoting, mm -hmm. would you do the back of the door as well? Because there is a door that's opening up from the kitchen into this dining room. Would you do the back of the door? Yes, because the door is always open. And the door is laying into the room. Whatever, that door will never be closed, I would guess. Yeah. So you'd want it painted. You know. So all the trim and the walls and everything, mm -hmm. one color. Sounds pretty. Mm -hmm. What about the ceiling? Well, I can't see the ceiling here, but depending on the color you choose, um, if it's a lighter color, go for the ceiling, too. Mm -hmm. I like it. I love the slipcover idea. Mm -hmm. It's a great idea. I, I also am, you know, like, Nancy said, I'm not sure what your budget is, but you could consider moving. I mean, individually, the sideboard and the break front are nice pieces, so you could always just try to put one in your hallway. There you go. You know, Perfect. you don't necessarily have to get rid of them. Just maybe That's good. break it right. up so right. that... So it's not all matching Right, one so room. it's not all in the same space. The other so. thing you could do is you could... Um, I can't, it looks like there are six chairs around this dining, an oval. Mm -hmm. um, you could take the leaf out. looks like there's one leaf. And turn it into uh, a smaller oval, which would help. And then you could throw a cloth over it, um, something... You know, like a stripe, and it doesn't have to cover the whole table. It can just be a thought. Uh, in my book, there's a picture of a table with, with that a black and white uh -huh, stripe. Uh -huh. I love that. And then you, I don't know if it was that same room or another room in your book where you had a small Japanese maple tree planted in a planter on the, in the middle of a dining room table. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so striking. Yeah. You know, it just suddenly felt really yeah. sculptural. And that's what you need to do. Find things that, number one, 
give the scale and dimension. Decide what you want this room to look like, but I, I, I think painting it all one color and doing a different rug, doing something with the brake front, um, making the table not so obvious. Um, yeah, I bet taking the leaves out would really help yeah. the whole scale of the room too because yes. then it won't feel as cramped I, and I bet um, she's not exactly seating her entire right. table, her that's entire family at dinner that every night. most people don't. Right. And even if you have a family of four, you can fit around that table and, without and the leaves in it. One thing that people don't do is do tablescapes. And I think there's nothing very pleasant about a big brown table with nothing on it. So I always like to do a strong tablescape that sits there, because a lot of people don't use their dining room very often, then it makes the room come alive. Mm -hmm. There's a picture of several in my book, again, of tablescapes. So think about a scape on the table um, as well. It's just a lot of brown wood now. Right. Yeah, it feels like it could use a, a lift. Right. All right. Well, yeah, thank you so much, Nancy, for stopping by. We really well, it was appreciate fun. it. I can talk about design for hours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have not, hard, not hard for me. Um, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? I know you might you be have a new website you're working a, on. Yeah, we have a brand new website, which we it's up, um, but we're going to have a little bit of launching as well, and it's nancybraithwaite.com. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thanks for coming. Yeah, to see we well, it was fun. It. it was fun. Next thank time you. I need a baby gift, I'll definitely come over to your, <laughs> your shop oh, and buy some good. stuff. Good. It's fun. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, that's our show. Thank you for listening. We are so grateful to have um, you subscribing and downloading. Please leave us a review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Um, and also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all those places at Ballard Designs. And of course, send us your questions. So you can email them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. And until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.